and welcome to the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma, TraumaCast series. I'm your host, Dr. Levi Proctor, an assistant professor of surgery at the University of Kentucky. Joining us today is Dr. Jason Smith, an assistant professor of surgery at the University of Louisville. Dr. Smith is the lead author of a recent article which discusses the use of an adjunctive resuscitation maneuver in the patient with an open abdomen called direct peritoneal resuscitation. This was presented at the American Association for the Surgery of Trauma meeting in September of 2013. Direct peritoneal resuscitation is, is an established resuscitation technique in damage control surgery after trauma. This paper focuses on DPR's use in emergency general surgery for abdominal catastrophes. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Smith. Glad to be here, Levi. You and your group in Louisville have a vast experience with direct peritoneal resuscitation, both at the basic science and clinical level. Can you explain to our audience what direct peritoneal resuscitation is, how it came about, and what made you pursue its use in abdominal catastrophes? Sure. So um, direct peritoneal resuscitation is simply an adjunct to what we do every day as far as resuscitation. I think it makes good sense when you think of this as uh, highways and, and back roads. We are outstanding as trauma surgeons and surgeons in general of resuscitating the highways. We get our central hemodynamic parameters fixed. The problem we have is when we go to get off that highway or deliver that blood to the cells, by the time we get it fixed, the back rows are already clogged and closed off. So what direct peritoneal resuscitation does is through the use of this hypertonic uh, glucose-based peritoneal dialysis fluid, uh, we keep those back roads open. Uh, we decrease cellular edema, we stabilize our endothelial cells long enough during our resuscitation period that, so that when the blood is flowing centrally, we now have an open pathway to get that blood from the central portion of our circulation to the organ system itself. So that I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that even though after our standard resuscitation parameters have been hit, that the visceral and splanchnic circulation are not truly resuscitated. That, that's correct. I think, you know, one of the problems, if you look at all microcirculation, is that um, there's a lot of derangements in the endothelial cells and the organ beds and blood flow at the organ level that we just can't detect. Uh, we can say we've got elevated lactate levels and we can look at systolic and mean arterial pressures and CVPs and cardiac outputs, but the problem is, is figuring out where that blood is going to is very difficult. What we've shown in multiple different models, and not just ourselves, but many others who look at microcirculation, is that despite restoration of our central parameters, those peripheral vascular beds are often shut off from us. And so what happens is, is that we get continued ischemia, we get continued organ damage, subsequently leading to organ failures. And that's one of the reasons uh, that we have, uh, still have a significant problem with late deaths after, say, hemorrhagic shock. You know, we do a great job of trying to fix and help the problem up front. Uh, but what we don't have is a great aspect or a great grasp on how can we fix this late problem and get this blood to the organs and help kind of stop this ischemic process before it starts. So what have you observed in your past research that made you think that this would also work in patients with open abdomens after abdominal catastrophes? Yeah, so when we looked at our trauma patients, um, you know, we started off kind of basic. The first uh, time we presented this was in 2009 at the Thir Southern Surgical. And it was very simple. It was a retrospective study. We had 19 patients that we had tried it on. And what we found was compared to controls, those 19 patients got closed faster. Uh, they had fewer intra-abdominal complications in the trauma patients, i.e. fistulas, abscesses, what have you. 
Um, and they had a better primary fascial closure rate compared to controls, considering all things being stable as far as closure and, and, and the like. Then fast forward to 2013, and at the last EAST meeting, we presented a more robust series. And not only did we show that, yeah, what we found with those first 19 actually held true over a longer course, but we also showed that there was a decreased blood utilization in those patients. And we showed that there was um, uh, a decreased hepatic dysfunction following their initial resuscitation from their, from their hemorrhagic shock. So the question became, you know, we were doing so well with our trauma patients, we had such good results what happened when we would apply this to say our, our, our acute care surgery models. Now, uh, I think we were surprised in the fact that, um, or maybe we shouldn't have been surprised. Those patients are vastly different. Um, you know, when we looked at the results and compared them, uh, the trauma patients actually do better, uh, for lack of a better term, than many of our acute care surgery patients. Now they come to the game with less on the table oftentimes, but, um, Despite the fact that DPR seems to help our acute care surgery patients, it's not quite the same as our, as our trauma patients. So you finished some horrific case. What do you ask your circulator in terms of equipment to perform this maneuver? Or what do you have your resident get you to have present at the bedside in the ICU to perform this technique? Yeah, it's very simple. And uh, I think the simplicity of it is really what helps us. Um, so we standardize our closures to your typical sham vac, your homemade vac. We place a sterile x-ray cassette cover over the, over the uh, bowels, place a, uh, uh, a blue OR towel uh, along the, uh, the fascial lines, put a couple drains in, and then place a, 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 a ioban or occlusive dressing uh, across the abdomen. Now, the only additional thing that we place into the abdomen is a 19 French you know, Blake or what have you drain uh, that kind of wraps itself down along the root of the mesentery and into the pelvis. And uh, the reason for that is, is, is to apply the DPR. Uh, we give them, uh, we basically fill the abdomen uh, with about 800 cc's uh, over the first hour. And then we continuously lavage that abdomen for about f at 400 cc's an hour and just let that fluid kind of percolate up through the, the visceral cavity and then be suctioned off by the, by the suction uh, drain or suction canister above. Uh, so it's it's simple. Uh, we use Delflex, which is a commercially available uh, generic 2.5% uh, glucose-based uh, peritoneal dialysis fluid. Uh, that's cheap. Uh, so I think when we last looked, the most expensive component of our of our uh, our closure was the occlusive dressing that we placed on top of the abdomen. So is it safe to say that you can use other commercially available products such as the Abthera by KCI or other makeshift wound back devices? Yeah, we've actually used it with commercial uh, vac. We've used it with a Whitman patch. Um, so um, it truly is an adjunct. I mean, the the nice part about this is is that you can use this with anything, and it will help you get your abdomen closed depending on, you know, what you use faster. Uh, it just seems to help with the edema, the blood flow, um, the overall condition of the bowels when you go back in, I mean, it just, it just makes things a lot better for you when you go to close those patients definitively. Can you briefly summarize the findings and concepts of your paper? Yeah, so um, what we found is uh, we had a larger study. Uh, we actually conducted this acute care study over about six years. Um, and um, what we tried to find was a, a similar physiologic starting point. And so what we took uh, were the Apache 2 criteria variables. Uh, and uh, we uh, 
propensity matched our groups um, between those that got DPR and those that did not. Uh, so that at starting at the first 24 hours after operation, they started at the same point. Uh, at 48 hours, we noticed a significant uh, increase in PO2 levels. We showed a significant increase in our pH levels, uh, decreased pressure use. Uh, we had, they had lower creatinines and better urine output. Uh, they had uh, a lower INR and a slightly higher platelet count. Now, if you look at those individually, there was nothing truly startling about any of those changes. Uh, but I think this is like adding small pebbles to a bucket in that, yeah, it's a little change here and it's a little change there. But what you get when you look at the Apache scores or their overall physiologic scores at 48 hours, the patients that got DPR did a lot better and had a much lower Apache score, a much lower SOFA score, and a much lower SAPS2 score than those that didn't get DPR. Now we also showed that they were closed faster. Uh, they required fewer trips to the operating room and they got closed. Uh, uh, their primary fascial closure was, was rate was much higher. And I think one of the most interesting things for me is uh, uh, we showed, uh, in addition to the PO2, PCO2, and, and pH changes, that the patients were on the ventilator less in the DPR group and left the ICU faster. Now, that's interesting for me because we couldn't see that in our trauma patients. And um, I can give you multiple different th reasons why I think that is other than the fact that I think the groups are different and this is a different process. Those trauma patients had a lot of concomitant chest injuries. Uh, they had pulmonary contusions and rib fractures and hemothorax and what have you. And these patients typically don't. The other reason I think that's interesting is that um, I don't know exactly how that works or why that is because the theories and the reasons that we think DPR works, that requires a topical application to the viscera, i.e., yeah, it helps with edema, but it helps with blood flow to the bowels and it helps with blood flow to the liver and what have you because it's in direct contact with the interstitial space and with the cells. What you don't have is that fluid isn't in direct contact with the pulmonary system. So somehow by affecting the blood flow to the visceral cavity, we've affected the pulmonary vasculature and their, their pulmonary complications after injury. So uh, that's exciting to us because we haven't seen that before. We haven't seen that really in our experimental models when we were looking at hemorrhagic shock either. So uh, for us, uh, that was a new finding, kind of an unexpe unexpected one. What were the criteria used to enroll these patients with abdominal catastrophes? Yeah, so um, it was very, uh, it was quite variable. Uh, we had um, uh, patients uh, that had necrotizing pancreatitis. Uh, we had patients that had anastomotic leaks, uh, small bowel uh, injuries uh, from uh, ischemia, uh, small bowel obstructions. And the reasons that they were left open um, were quite varied as well. The, the biggest one was people wanted to take a second look either due to bowel viability or contamination or what have you. And the second biggest one was that the patients were so hemodynamically unstable due to sepsis or what, what have you. At the end of the procedure, they didn't feel comfortable continuing or closing. They wanted to resuscitate them and bring them back. So, um, and I think that's, uh, that's a bit of why we went with the Apache scores in that you can't standardize, you know, you can't only look at, say, bowel obstructions or what have you for abdominal catastrophes. What, what we looked at is what was our physiologic starting point and did, could we affect a difference just by adding the DPR to that. Were there patients in your study group that were undergoing DPR that required uh, anastomosis or stomach creation? And did you notice any uh, complications with delayed intra-abdominal abscess after primary fascial closure? Yeah, we did not. Um, and that's a question that we've had um, with other things. Um, 
you saw no propensity for bleeding. Uh, there was no increased uh, hemorrhagic complications in either group. Uh, there was actually a lower rate of EC fistula formation and intra-abdominal abscess formation in the patients that um, had uh, received DPR compared to the patients that had not received DPR. So uh, I, I don't think it affected that one way or another. Are there patients that you or your group will not apply DPR to after abdominal catastrophes? Uh, no. So we do it outside of our study protocol that we have going on uh, right now for trauma patients. We pretty much use this in everyone. We have an open abdomen patient. Uh, for our patient population, it's cheap. It's effective. Um, we think we get a pretty significant results. And uh, particularly based on this new finding, we may be affecting inflammatory processes that we don't really quite understand yet. And so I think we've got a lot of benefits to look at. And I mean, now it's time. We've taken it back to the clinics. I laugh. Now it's time to go back to the lab and figure out why it is that we saw what we saw. And aside from cost, were there any other complications or nursing care issues that were a result of the DPR? For instance, were there problems with uh, leaks from the wound vac after installation of X volume of fluid? No, not really. Actually, the nurses love it um, because uh, this is kind of a set it and forget it type thing for them. Uh, you put it on the pump, um, you keep the vacs going, and as long as you get a seal, I mean, that's the same thing for any vac dressing you place on. Um, you know, it actually, it, it keeps things uh, easy to manage. Uh, it doesn't cause a big mess because it's all self, it's a self-contained system, um, and we don't ask them really to do much. So once they start the pump up, you have to change a three-liter bag out every shift or so uh, of the Delflex, and that's it. That's all they have to do for it. So uh, uh, they've actually come along and actually don't mind doing this at all. We have been speaking today with Dr. Jason Smith regarding the use of DPR in abdominal catastrophes. I would like to again thank Dr. Smith for taking the time to share his views with us and compliment him on his ongoing work in this field. This concludes another edition of the East TraumaCast. For copyright information and disclaimers, please visit us at east.org. For the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma, I'm Dr. Levi Proctor.